0: Have you always felt a little odd, a little different? The world is crying out for witches to heal and to rebuild, but do you hear its call and will you answer? This is a space for free thinking, where I give you tools to explore and build your craft. We all have a divine spark, join me each week and grow that spark into a fiery beacon I am your host, Michael Moorcroft, and I'll be bringing you a one-on-one guide to all things witchcraft and spirituality. This is The Majors Well. Hey Majors, welcome back to the show, and welcome to Season 3. I'm kicking off the season with two episodes, actually that of blood magic and bone magic. I was slightly apprehensive at first to approach these topics due to the perceived idea of how gruesome and taboo they are, but I think as it's the month of Halloween, or rather, Samhain, I think we can get away with it. But first, I just want to say how much I've missed working on the podcast. I took a break because I really needed it. The last week of season 2 was a little intense, London was opening up, my side job and modelling were coming into play again, it was a lot and I think I called time perfectly on it, but things got pretty intense at my job and I missed the original season 3 start date, so I've quit that job and I've got a new one now that's closer to where I work and I've also reduced my hours significantly, so let's see how long that can last. But we're back now and it feels so good, I cannot wait for you all to listen to what I've got lined up. Thank you so much for tuning in. I also want to say a thank you to my Patreons, to my Sugar Pot Spell Majors, Rebecca, Alice V, Gillian K, Brittany, SNM, InnersTP, TP, Jennifer H, Marie C, Yolanda V and Mary W. To my Midnight Majors, Tara C, Barbara R, 21st Century Promethea, Erin R, Stephanie M, Andrew F, and Shirley F, thank you so much for supporting me. So, blood magic, I want to start off with a little bit of a disclaimer and say that I'm not advocating or romanticizing self-harm. There are other ways you can practice powerful magic without the inclusion of blood. If you have thought of suicide or attempted it or if you've got a history of self-harm, this sort of magic may not be the one for you. So there is a trigger warning with today's episode. You can however use other bodily fluids. You could also use animal's blood, red wine, pomegranate juice and red palm oil. So when I say blood, take it as one of these. Also, if you choose to extract your blood, sterilize the pin and the area you will be pricking. Various diseases can be caught through blood, so please keep this in mind when disposing of any bloody materials as well as your spell workings. Don't drink blood, it can harm you. Be careful when handling other people's blood as it may contain blood-borne pathogens, and never swap blood with anyone. Blood Magic, Blood Rituals, Blood Spells They all conjure quite sinister images and sound intimidating. Today, I'm talking about how we can use our own blood within our practice. It doesn't have to be litres and litres. A drop of blood from a pinprick to the finger will suffice. A lot of old European grimoires state it should be the little finger. It's a common trope within popular culture that witches slash across the palms of the hand. It's so unnecessary. It's somewhat of a taboo topic, but our blood is incredibly powerful, even just a few drops. Now, blood magic isn't inherently evil, it's totally down to the practitioner for what purposes they wish to use it for. I'm going to be talking about blood generally, however I do have an episode planned around menstruation further down the line. Also, my episode on the history of human sacrifice could be a good one to listen to before this. To quote Richard Sugg, blood was a medium between the physical and the spiritual, and in my opinion, it still is. The loss of our blood can cause weakness and even death. Naturally, this led to blood being symbolised as a source of strength, provided it remains within the body. It also carries much fear and anxiety, due to its ability to carry diseases and illness. Now within ancient Greece, blood spilled on a battlefield was seen as heroic, and even celebrated. Within the city however, blood spilled was a crime, and something civilised society didn't do. The colour red is highly evocative. Traditionally sourced from red ochre and minerals, often sacred objects are painted with this colour. Trees, statues, animal bones, tools, cave walls, The list is endless, and this has happened all over the world in what was thought to be an attempt to have influence over life, death, and rebirth. The New Guinean Yafar believe that red ochre was the first blood of the female deity, and use it as a blood substitute. Throughout China and Europe, red pigment was buried with the body to grant renewal. The energy of the wavelengths given off by this color have been found to increase muscle tone, blood pressure, and breath rate. For some animals, it's highly sexually arousing. Now, even if the person or animal is blind, these effects are still prevalent. A lot of red plants have mythology and folklore around the idea of blood being spilt, and from this, the plant grows. Red gems were, and still are, coveted as fertility boosting. Now generally, blood magic crops up a lot within folk magic around the world. There's a lot of debate whether historically cultures worked with blood in terms of their magical practices. The Akkadians and Hittites had a word for offerings that has roots in to pour, leading some to speculate that the blood from animals sacrificed was vital. However, ancient texts and artwork doesn't back this theory up. For the Greeks, the animals' flesh was burnt for the gods. The blood wasn't always seen as an offering for them. Now that being said, blood does feature quite heavily in cults to the underworld and the dead. Within the Odyssey, the quote, strengthless dead drink it and become more lifelike. This blood often came from animals that were all black in colour. The Greeks also poured blood into graves when wishing to communicate with the dead. For the Dogon of Mali, blood played a vital role in fertility for those with wombs, and the Mayans, Aztecs, and Olmecs placed heavy meanings on blood and the continuation of life, hence their need for regular human sacrifice where blood dripped down their pyramid temples. Throughout Sumeria, there is a common creation myth where the gods grew tired of working So the mother goddess mixed a god's blood into the sea with clay, and from it humans emerged. Interestingly, evolutionary biologists believe the chemical composition of our blood serum is identical to the primordial sea that bore us. The Cherokee believe in relation to animals that the blood holds the life and spirit of that particular animal, and traditionally performed rituals around its death so as to allow it to be reborn from its spilled blood. Throughout history, there's also a lot of healing remedies around blood, from bathing in it, for using it to draw sigils on afflicted areas, pouring it over the head, the list is endless. One in particular stands out, Countess Elizabeth Bathory was accused of bathing in the blood of young virgins between 1590 and 1610, supposedly so she could gain immortality. Now fast forward to the modern day, scientists have actually found that when injecting older mice with the blood of youthful ones, it does actually reverse some of the signs of aging. Was the Countess onto something? There's also a tradition of drinking blood to gain the life force and power from the person whose blood it originates from. Scythian warriors who were fresh to the battlefield would drink the blood of the first man they slew, Similarly, in ancient Rome, gladiators would drink the blood of their slain opponents. I mentioned it before elsewhere on the show, but the Maasai of Kenya used to drink the blood of lions to take on their power. But the drinking of blood isn't just a thing that happened in the pages of history, it still happens today. Sociologists, as far as they can tell, think there are vampire networks within every major city. It's thought these people suffer from a medical condition where symptoms manifest as fatigue, headaches, and stomach issues that are cured with the consumption of human blood. It's quite a closed off community, but it's opening up, and as a result, researchers are looking into the underlying condition to find out more. Now, the Christian concept of drinking wine as a symbol of the blood of Christ derives from the cult of Dionysus, who was the god of wine. It's thought that Lilith was the first deity who consumed blood, I spoke about it in the sex magic episode, and Kali also has strong connections with blood, see her episode for more info. Also, Hecate bears a mention here, ancient texts refer to her eating blood often, in fact one of her epithets is blood eater, see her episode for more information. In the Congo, red palm oil was used as a symbolic stand-in. It was smeared on boys approaching manhood, expecting mothers, and anyone who witnessed childbirth. This is for protective measures, as people within the birthing space, including the mother and the child, are thought to be incredibly vulnerable to attack from malicious spirits, a belief that is still prevalent around the world today. Now, carrying on with this protective theme, Often builders around the UK till the 1900s would add blood to the mortar mix when constructing the chimney and hearth. It was thought to safeguard against witches. Salt glazed bricks were also used for a similar result. It's also another belief that drawing blood from a witch was thought to break all their spells. Similarly, with red coral, It's often used as jewelry and it's regarded as a crystal, but it's formed through a biological process rather than a geological. Now, this red coral was traditionally seen as the petrified blood of Medusa. Now, this came about as Perseus lay her head next to a stream and it turned into the red coral we know today. Now, I bring this up because this coral was seen as a highly protective item. Her blood, i.e. the coral, was given to newborns to protect them from the evil eye and witchcraft. Over time, it was incorporated into babies' rattles, and to this day, it remains a powerful talisman for protection. As you may know, I set up my shop towards the end of last year with the goal of helping people deepen their practice and to connect to the divine. My products are carefully formulated with quality ingredients that are thoughtfully sourced, then packaged and wrapped with materials that have a low impact on the environment. For my oils, I will think of a brief or an aim that I want to achieve with this particular product. I specify some of the ingredients that I want to be in it, for example, with the Money Money oil, I knew that basil had to be in there for me. It's got huge connotations with money and also with the freedom oil, I wanted people to feel like they were in a forest, so fur and cedar had to be in there. I then hand this brief or this idea over to Madhavi Patel, who has been working in aromatherapy for over a decade. She then intuitively picks the other ingredients and blends them into a formula that fits in with my idea or concept. I send out samples to a small group and see how they get on with it. Then, if it's all good, the product goes on my site. It's a small, intuitive process that works with small batches to deliver witchy oils that not only smell good, but work. In the shop today, we have Money Money Oil, Trance Oil and Freedom Oil, as well as Erotica, my latest blend that's designed to be diffused throughout sex magic and love magic workings, and to generally create a space that is safe and fun for intimacy. I also have a rosemary cleansing bundle designed to be burned as an alternative to white sage that has been handmade by me with recycled string sourced from a mature rosemary brush from my friend's house in East London. It's wrapped under a dark moon for added potency. You can see all these products over on themageswell.com So what is blood good for within spells? Well as I've mentioned, it's particularly powerful for protection. But it's also good for health and for ancestor workings, for obvious reasons. And because of its power to you, you need to be quite careful with how you use it. Blood, bodily fluids and components will generally act in one or two ways. That of binding the spell to the intended target. Now because of how personal these ingredients are, it's thought this adds to their potency. So this being said, your blood will bind you to your spell work and its results, be it good or bad. Therefore, it's really important that you don't use or you're careful with how you build the spell when using your blood for cursing or hexes as it can draw problems to you. Now the second way it can act is that the body material can be an extension of you within your spell work. There's a similar but subtle difference. You are binding your power into the magical working and placing a piece of you within your rituals and spells. It's a very powerful binding component and will give your workings an element of your life force. I came across a good transference spell around illness involving a stick and your blood. You want to get near a stream and find a stick, preferably hazel, carve your name into it and three small slices. Prick your finger with a needle and fill these slices with your blood. You'd then want to throw the stick over your left shoulder into the stream and leave while not looking back. Please combine this with conventional medicine, let's not solely rely on magic to sort health conditions. Now if you have a physical problem, let's say a swollen ankle, you could prick your finger and draw a sigil in blood on your ankle. This can be a powerful technique and traditionally it's thought how tattoos originally started out. Again though, please let's not just rely on the magical to solve our health issues. Also, please seek out medical advice. I am not a medical practitioner. You can mix your blood into oils and anoint candles with it. Now personally, I would be tempted to create a candle around personal power and anoint it with your blood and light the candle whenever you feel powerless and backed into a corner. I would light this in emergencies and when in a tight spot. You could layer up your intent and carve the Mars symbol into the candle. You could embed tiger's eyes into the surface of it. You could hollow out the bottom and print off or draw the tarot card strength and place it inside the candle. You could stick the herb blue cohosh to it, as well as caraway, celery seeds, and golden seal, to name a few. These are all very empowering herbs. For the oil to add your blood to, I would do a mix of sunflower with cedar essential oil. You could also make sigils out of your blood and draw them on it. Again, really powerful. Also, where you take the blood from can add layers of meaning to your workings. Menstrual blood is great for fertility and sex magic. Blood from the finger is always a good go-to. Blood from here is said to be very active and engaging. Blood from the lips is good for love spells and if you want your words to have an impact. Blood that's drawn from sex, i.e. biting or scratching, is perfect for passion and action. Blood from the feet is about growth, grounding, and moving forwards. Tattoos are also thought to be a form of blood magic, and this idea can be applied in many ways. I remember coming across an account where a man was getting demonic sigils tattooed onto his body. The blood drawn here can be seen as an offering to those demonic beings, so again it just highlights this need for us to be mindful about our blood and how and where we're using it. You can also use animal's blood and that will have different qualities depending on what animal it's taken from. Also, a lot of traditions say if you wish to use animal blood, you have to have killed the animal yourself. You can dress a poppet in your blood so it represents you, so obviously you need to be careful with it, but I'm thinking you could sit it in a pot of sugar or money or maybe in a circle of salt for protection. If you're looking to work closely with a plant, and wish to develop a connection with the plant's spirit, you could actually rub some of your blood on its leaves, and you could also do this when you harvest some of the plant, almost like an exchange. I have two mugwort plants either side of my doorway that I've done this with. With a similar idea, you could also put your blood on your tools to bind them to you. A great one with this would be tarot guards to bind them to you and form a connection with, This would deepen your own readings, but it might not necessarily work for other people's readings, so think about that. You could also try blooding your runes as well, this is an old concept based around the idea that Odin gave one of his eyes to learn the runes. By putting some blood on these runes, you are somewhat paying a price to learn and use them, similar to Odin. I'd also use your own blood in a witch bottle. For more info on that, check out my episode on protection. Blood could also be used to fertilize the land. Now traditionally it was sprinkled over crops and you'd need a lot of blood in order to do that, so my hack would be to combine a few drops of it with moon water or water you've made sacred and sprinkle it over whatever you please. If you grow herbs for your craft, this could be quite a lovely thing to do. Now you could also give deities offerings of your blood too. Just do your research and see if the deity you wish to offer it to will find it appropriate. Depending on their background, the culture the deity is from, they may frown upon blood offerings. For example, let's look at the Greek Pantheon. A blood offering to Zeus isn't really on brand, looking at historical records. However, for Hecate, it would be perfect. Just be very careful with this one. For example, the West African spirit, Ogun, is associated with blood and absolutely loves it. Therefore, it's thought to only give him blood that's been stored. And do not work with him while you are bleeding or menstruating. I'd only offer your blood to spirits if you're familiar with them and if you've already got a relationship with them. You could also dry your blood out. Thinly spread in a container in the fridge will do this. You'll be left with flakes that you could add to incense. A great blend that I thought of for ancestor workings would be these flakes mixed with wormwood, which helps spirits come through. Just remember, wormwood burnt is toxic, so open plenty of windows or burn outside. Blood bonds were an ancient practice that united two or more people that weren't related. Considered dangerous today, there are still ways to do this safely. Get some water, preferably one that has been blessed, or moon water. Without touching the water, drop your blood into it and each person needs to do this. Say anything that is relevant to the person or people within this setting. Empty the bowl somewhere relevant to everyone involved. Alternatively, you can do this by smearing blood on paper and burn it, but don't enter this willy-nilly. Do you want to be bound to the person or people around you? Think long and hard about this. And breaking this connection can be quite a difficult process. I'm also thinking you could add a few drops of blood into a bath and create a rebirthing ritual. Add components to this as you see fit. Now, full disclosure, I do add blood to my workings and I hate extracting the blood. I find pricking my finger to be painful and I'm also quite scared I'll go too deep. But that being said, I do see the value in using it and it's really like a herb in that it's an ingredient to workings and it carries its own unique correspondences. I think I'm going to get a lancing device that diabetics use. It sounds way worse than it is but it's quite a practical little easy thing to use. The use of blood within magic gets a really bad rap. It isn't inherently evil. What I would say, however, is be careful how you use it, if you decide to. It's incredibly powerful and binding. So generally, I would be tempted to reserve it for matters where your survival or way of life is threatened or challenged. That being said, I wouldn't give my blood to anyone either. I mean, outside of a medical setting a lot of cultures believe that your blood in the wrong hands can be used to manipulate your will and have control over you. Think long and hard about how you intend to use it as well as disposing of it. Blood continues to divide us to this day, which is what it has done throughout history to last Sunday. It's forever been associated with duality, life, death, sickness, therapy, generosity, transmission, attraction, repulsion, innocence, massacre. I'll finish with how I started. Blood is the medium between the physical and the spiritual. And majors, that's it. That is a wrap for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. My intent with this podcast is to provide guidance and inspiration for those on their spiritual path and to talk about interesting parts of history relating to spirituality. I also want to connect you with information that is both useful and reliable. Would you like to support me? With your support, I can dedicate more time to The Major's Well. You can financially support me through Patreon, where you'll gain access to more content and connect with The Major's Well community. The link for this is in the episode description. If you're not keen on pledging money for whatever reason, but you still want to support, you can follow my Instagram at The as Well, you could tell your friends and family about the show, you could post about the podcast, and most importantly, you could leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. This is really important. It really helps because it boosts the algorithm over on Apple Podcasts. And it draws in new listeners and it helps get the podcast out there. Please help me out. This is an independent podcast. It's just me researching, producing and editing. Anything you can do will help. If you own a business and would like to advertise on the show, please get in touch. The show's email is themajorswell at com. Special thanks to Coral saint Clair for the podcast artwork. Before I go, I want to wrap up with a poem, and it's called Mosquito, by D. H. Lawrence. When did you start your tricks, monsieur? What do you stand on such high legs for? Why this length of shredded shank? you exultation. Is it so you shall lift your centre of gravity upwards and weigh no more than air as you alight upon me? Stand upon me weightless, you phantom. I heard a woman call you the winged victory. I'm sluggish Venice. You turn your head towards your tail and smile. How can you put so much devilry into that translucent phantom shred of a frail corpus? Queer, with your thin wings and streaming legs. How you sail like a heron or a dull clot of air, a nothingness. Yet what an aura surrounds you, your evil little aura prowling and casting a numbness on my mind. That is your trick, your bit of filthy magic, invisibility, and the anesthetic power to deaden my attention in your direction. But I know your game now, streaky sorcerer, Queer how you stalk and prowl the air in circles and evasions, enveloping me, ghoul on wings, winged victory. Settle and stand on long thin shanks, eyeing me sideways and cunningly conscious that I am aware, you speck. I hate the way you lurch off sideways into air, having read my thoughts against you. Come then, let us play at unawares and see who wins in this sly game of bluff man or mosquito. You don't know that I exist. I don't know that you exist. Now then, it is your trump. It is your hateful little trump, you pointed fiend, which shakes my sudden blood to hatred of you. It is your small, high, hateful bungle in my ear. Why do you do it? Surely it is bad policy. They say you can't help it. If that is so, then I believe a little providence protecting the innocent but it sounds so amazingly like a slogan, a yell of triumph as you snatch my scalp. Blood, red blood, super magical, forbidden liquor. I behold you stand, for a second, and spasmed in oblivion, obscenely ecstasied, sucking live blood, my blood. Such silence, such suspended transport such gorging, such obscenity of trespass. You swagger as well as you may, only your accursed, hairy frailty. Your own imponderable weightlessness saves you, wafts you away on the very draught my anger makes in its snatching. Away with you, a peon of derision, you winged blood drop. Can I not overtake you? Are you one too many for me, winged victory? Am I not mosquito enough to out-mosquito you? Queer, what a big stain my sucked blood makes, beside the infinitesimal faint smear of you. Queer, what a dim dark smudge you have disappeared into. Peace out, witches, and I'll see you at the crossroads.